The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the football betting review. I'm stuck in with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. You ready to talk some hogs hope that you had for a half? <laughs> I couldn't help, uh, you know, when Traylon Burks is taking down the sideline there, taking it to the house, and Arkansas has got a lead for an entire half. I couldn't help but just send a tweet out and, and uh, decide to CCU on it because that may be the last thing to celebrate for the remainder of the year. Were you pleasantly surprised with Arkansas' performance? or? I mean, I, one thing we're going to talk about is I don't know if this is an Arkansas thing or if this is a Georgia thing. Georgia had zero explosive drives, 0%. And I don't know if that's a Barry Odom defense or if that is Georgia still. That was Georgia last year, too. Yeah, I, Georgia's still on the search to find this explosive offense. And, you know, Stetson Bennett couldn't get it out of them. And uh, I don't know if that had to do with Arkansas or Georgia, but time will tell. All right, well, we're going to get to Monday Night Football later on. We are going to also recap the college football card and what we saw on Saturday. There are no weeknight games before Friday. We have La Tech and BYU and Campbell Wake Forest. Campbell again on Friday. We'll talk about those on our college football week five betting preview, which will be out Friday morning, overnight Thursday. We'll also get to some voicemails later, but let's – start with an NFL recap. I guess I'll start with a game that I just went through trauma with Dallas plus five plus five and a half and it comes down at the end to you know Seattle wins by seven. They score late and they left way too much time for Dallas who didn't end up especially because they had no defenders left. But Seattle scores late. They don't get the two point conversion. There's an NFL type roughing the passer then they get the two point conversion to go up seven. You had DK Metcalf drop a touchdown, but you had the Cowboys, I mean, miss extra points, miss two-point conversions. They drop a kickoff in the end zone, and then they get a safety the very next play. Uh, Dallas dominated the game. I mean, their offense did whatever it wanted. They had 522 yards of total offense average, six and a half yards per play. The Seattle defense is horrible. Seattle only had 412 yards, 5.9 yards per play. It's another one-possession win for Seattle that they uh, pull out a couple – Bounces go their way, and uh, they were able to pull it out to move to 3-0. and They go to Miami next week. I can tell you I'll be all over Miami, especially if we can get seven. Dallas is 1-2. and two. They host Cleveland next week, and they're laying five. Uh, but I thought Dallas, you know, Russ is going to do his thing no matter what. But they were getting pressure all day. And, I mean, Dak just, I mean, threw for a million yards. So Seattle is one of the 3-0 and teams. Speaking of 3-0 and teams, we have two of the most fraudulent 3-0 and teams I can ever remember. The Bears are 3-0. and Mitch Bortles gets benched. The Falcons do it again. You've just been Bortled. 98% win percentile this week and 98% win last week. 
and they blow a 26-10 lead in the second half this time to big dick Nick Foles, who comes in for Trubisky. Maybe it's the last we ever see at Trubisky, although after the game they were saying, uh, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know how you would start Trubisky next week. But the Bears are now 3-0 and with three wins, each by four points, each against winless bad teams. Miracle wins. It's a miracle that they're three and zero. They will host the Colts next week. Uh, the Colts just dismantled the Jets. The Colts defense continues to play really well. Competition has been great. Uh, Sam Darnold has two pick sixes and a safety. He was seeing ghosts in Indianapolis today. The Jets are a dumpster fire. But the other the other fraudulent three and zero team is Tennessee. I mean Tennessee pulls out a one point win. They've won by one two. And three points to start the year. They're three and zero with a margin of six total margin of six points, average winning margin of two points per game. Crazy, but they pull out a win. Minnesota looked better today, and they did cover. Tennessee gets the win by one in a high scoring game. Overs were eight and six today. Well, including Thursday night, they were eight and five today. Eight and six for the week, bringing them to twenty eight and eighteen on the season. Still, some really high scoring games. The environment seems to be conducive to overs and offense. Unfortunately for me, I was on a, a bunch of unders today. New England wins 36-20. Bitter Bill after a loss, short week for Raiders. Not sure what that steam was early in the week. Maybe someone was getting it down, but the Pats end up closing at seven. They win by 16 over the Raiders in a pretty predictable spot. One of the games that I was way wrong on, uh, the Giants against San Fran. I mean, just an embarrassing performance. Nick Mullins threw for 343 yards. I mean, they didn't even run the ball well. I, I said Nick Bones isn't going to beat me with this de- this depleted receiving core. Yeah, well, he did. Um, and the Niners averaged almost six yards per play. They only had 93 rushing yards on 35 attempts. The Giants have a pretty good rush defense. But, nope, Nick Mullins, some dumb play calls from the Giants, dumb fourth, uh, fourth down miss. There were some bad calls by the refs, but, the, but make no mistake about it, San Fran dominated that game. Now, the funniest game of the day that I have to talk about is Cincinnati and Philadelphia. I mean, the worst part about having no fans is we did not get to see the Philly crowd absolutely boo the shit out of this dumpster fire Phillies team when they're punting for the tie at 0-2 against the Bengals after a false start on the game-winning field goal attempt. I mean, it doesn't get any lower than this. Philly is now 0-2-1. The best thing that happened to me today is I have the Eagles and the Bengals win total unders, and I get those two teams to play each other and neither gets a win. I mean, you can't make that up. The Bengals and Eagles now have a tie in their record, and they both remain winless at 0-2-1. The wildest game of the day, I had Buffalo minus 2.5. The Bills make me want to Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now, the Bills are making it happen now. They were up 28-3, to the famous score, Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl. They give up the lead and go down 32-28. Rams come storming back. Rams go up 32-28. Josh Allen needs to have a last-minute drive. Fourth down, they get a P.I. call, and I was on the Bills. Kind of questionable. Typical NFL flag. And then Josh Allen giveth, Josh Allen taketh, and then Josh Allen giveth back. The Bills pull out the win to move to 3-0. and Another good showing for the Rams, though. But Josh Allen did his thing in the first half, especially, and then got that game-winning touchdown drive. Let's go, Buffalo. 
Carolina gets its first win. Carolina ends a 10-game winning streak, and the Lions end an 11-game winning streak, both at this, in this late afternoon time slot. The Lions beat the Cardinals 26-23 on a late field goal, and the Panthers beat the Chargers 21-16. Guess what? Justin Herbert looked like a rookie today. He did some good things. He threw for 330 yards against a terrible Panthers defense. The Panthers are settled for, I mean, I think Joey Sly had 11 field goals. The Panthers end up winning 21-16, to but there were some key mistakes. The Chargers outgained the Panthers 436 to 302. Yards per play were dead even. The Panthers get away with settling for all those field goals and hold on to the win. The Chargers actually had a perfect hook and ladder set up to win the game on the last play. The pitch was just off. Jackler, who would have scored if he got it uh, from Keenan Allen. So the Panthers and the Lions both end their long losing streaks. The Bucks dominate the Broncos. The Broncos had a blocked punt early in the game, which they just couldn't afford to do with their offense. They with Jeff Driscoll. You had Rippin come in and play. They had a blocked punt that got blocked to the back to the 10-yard line. The Bucks went up 7-0 and never really looked back. Brady looked a little more comfortable. Today, 25 of 38, 297 yards and three touchdowns going against an undermanned Broncos secondary. But the Broncos defense had been playing well, so you have to give them props. The Bucks, 353 yards of total offense, average about five and a half yards per play. The defense is for real. They hold the Broncos to 3.8 yards per play. The Bucks move to 2-1, and one, and the Broncos fall to 0-3. Cleveland Browns get a win and a cover over the Washington football team, 34-20. to The Cleveland Browns have won another football game. Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! They were down in the second half and outscored Washington 17-0 in the fourth quarter. Dwayne Haskins, three picks. Baker Mayfield, no picks. That was essentially the difference in a game where both teams averaged right around five yards per play. Both teams had right around 300 yards of total offense. Even box score, one quarterback throws three picks, one quarterback throws none. That's going to be the difference. The Browns moved to two and one on the year, and the football team drops to one and two. Pitt. The Steelers, in a curious line, that just, that came down to three and a half. People that bet Houston or drove that down looked smart early. Houston was up 21-17 to 17 at the half. Steelers' defense was not looking good. And then it was all Steelers in the second half. Steelers outscored the Texans 11-0 in the second half. They improve to 3-0 and on the year, and they get the cover. The Texans drop to 0-3, and, and next week they'll face another 0-3 team. In the Vikings, the Steelers also, the Steelers, a 3-0 team, will travel to Tennessee and take on Tennessee. I think that early line is Tennessee minus two. The Steelers definitely intrigued me there. I was hoping to get three. At the minimum, it's a great teaser piece. And then, as we know, the Dolphins won on Thursday night over the Jags. So that is your rundown for week three of the NFL. Make sure you tune in on Thursday when our NFL week four betting preview podcast drops uh, with myself and Chris Rabon. Colin, any thoughts on anything that you saw today uh, in the NFL? Well, it was a bad day to, well, at least from the, you know, the early slate, it was uh, taking some unders was probably not a good decision. We talk about Tennessee. That was me. Having, <laughs> we talk about Tennessee uh, being plus six in the point differential right now, right behind them, Indianapolis plus 39 in point differential. 
Uh, so I think that's definitely something to keep your eye on a little bit of fraud there will probably get caught up, you know, just from an NFL standpoint, it's just amazing that the, the Cowboys as sloppy as they are as bad as they've been, as much as they dominated that game, they're one and two, they're still tied for the lead in the East. This is going to be one of those years Oof. where a seven, seven and nine team gets in, uh, is the four seed in the NFC. So the Eagles are a game back of first place. They're half game out. Eagles catching six next week. That's it, Fran. I don't know if I have the guts. Depends on who plays for San Fran, but... Every team in the NFC East has a negative point differential. I mean, Dallas is clearly head and shoulders above everyone else in that division. And and the one Cowboys win that they got was a a miracle comeback where they had, one, they had an onside kick recovery. They could be 0-3. It's not a good start for the NFC East. Well, the Cowboys, you know, got Browns, Giants, Cardinals coming up, and then Washington and the Eagles. So, I mean, there's a path for them to kind of take a little bit of a lead here. And I think it's close to mo- – it's fun to monitor the 0-3 teams because right now the Vikings are in the running with the Jets to get Trevor Lawrence. I mean, really, is that what we're watching with 0-3 teams is who's going to get Trevor Lawrence? Does Houston at 0-3, if they got the number one pick, would they take uh, another Clemson quarterback? It's, it's, it's interesting to see these 0-3 teams and who's just going to suck out for Trevor Lawrence. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, before we get into college football and recapping what we saw on Saturday, we obviously got to listen to some voicemails. We'll get to best call, worst call, that regard. I, went to, I basically had a wash day. I profited on Saturday thanks to betting the White Sox against John Lester. I think the White Sox are now 14-0 and against lefties this year. I had a good afternoon, and then I, at night I had, my, I had Florida State. Woo! That's got to be worst call. Or Troy, that steamrolled. Those two games kind of put a, a sour to, to end my night. All right, let's listen to voicemails. I think we hear from our – our producer told me we hear from our UTEP guy. Another surprise in here. We have five minutes of voicemail, so it should be good. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of – the guy is drunk, but there he goes. Let's check this week's messages. Yo, it's stuck. I went. I sacrificed myself for all of you Middle Tennessee State backers last night. Starting quarterback for UTSA gets hurt. Middle Tennessee State gets a back door. Sometimes you just have to give yourself up for the people. But Iowa State, man, what a sweat. Uh, let's fucking go. No trips on Monday planned so far. We'll see what happens later tonight. Middle Tennessee State, I sacrificed myself to the gods so some of you guys could get covers. Iowa State was amazing. I had that game nailed. They were dominating the game. Like, Brock Purdy threw the most ridiculous pick six I've ever seen. Missed an extra point. I'm like two and a half. I'm like, this is all going wrong. I take some plus five and a half live on TCU. And TCU... Goes down the field and the last play of the game completes it. And it's not the NFL to go down three. If there was one second left, they would have kicked the extra point and I would have lost Iowa State. So I somehow middled the plus five and a half and the minus two and a half. It was amazing. I was so furious at that game because Iowa State 
I mean, it was the right side. Um, you had some fluky plays. Kohler being back for Iowa State was just enormous for their offense. Their offense just looked a lot better. Iowa State finished with, you know, 423 yards. TCU had 498 yards. Iowa State averaged 8.3 yards per play against that TCU defense. TCU was under six. But that was that was the highlight. Did you see how here how happy I was? That was before Florida State. We had a we had a closing total of forty two and a half, and this thing comes down to seventy one points. These are supposed to be the two defenses in the Big Twelve that we can depend on. If Texas Tech and Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas State are running ninety to hundred point games, and this Iowa State and TCU defenses would be the ones we we're supposed to be able to lean on, we're just going to play overs in the Big Twelve every single week. I, I can't unless they're posting eighty eight or ninety. I mean, th- this is insane what this conference is doing from an offensive standpoint. Sucky Colin, let's talk about bad beat hell from above. First of all, this is Martin from Chicago. How the f*** are you guys? It's so great to have you back. Second of all, you got to think that the Southern Alabama defense all in on the over. To have four guys who weigh 1,500 pounds not be able to tackle. Actually, why couldn't they just eat the guy? Eat the guy, or at least try to tackle him. Then, five seconds later, in the f***ing Jaguars game, they're scoring. Anyone who bets the under in this universe can't do a thing. Love you guys. The Big Ten is back. Go Bucks. Any thoughts in South Alabama? It was two backup quarterbacks between Lovertich and Lucerno for UAB. Lucerno, we just did, we did. I didn't have any data on him whatsoever. A couple of passing attempts. You know, he goes 18 for 28 for 319 yards, no interceptions whatsoever. I mean, UAB went ballistic on offense, like with a backup quarterback with Spencer Brown. And I mean, I thought South Alabama was in on the over too. I just cannot believe the amount of points that were being scored. UAB with a backup quarterback look like this. They're an easy conference winner here. So UAB is a team that can beat up on smaller teams, and they don't do so well when they play Power 5 teams. So it should have known better with that under, though, because that backup quarterback for UAB is legit. This is Kevin from New Jersey. Colin, this Chad Morris offense, fitting that the uh, the most successful play they run is this Bo Nix pooch punt inside the five. I honestly don't know who's fucking me more in this early afternoon slot between Oklahoma defense, Terry Wilson, or the fucking mechanic who put new brakes on my car when I brought it in for an oil change. I'm on tilt here, and it's not even 3.30. All right, well, nice slur on a 3.30, which I respect. Was that a whiskey slur? Was that a scotch slur? Was he a vodka slur? What do you think that guy had to, had to run it through that his might have been That might have been a tequila slur. Look, the UK, Auburn came down off the seven, and – I, there were so many questions with Auburn. I got I got scared off. I was like, am I missing something? And then I was all ready to hit Auburn second half, ready to fire. I was like, I saw enough. And this Kentucky offense can be thrown on. Bo Nick 16 to 27, 233, three touchdowns, no picks. And then Kentucky, look, this final score was misleading, right? Kentucky had 388 yards of total offense, five yards per play. At the end of the half, I mean, they have a, a fake – what do they have, a fake punt that failed? And then at the end of the half – I thought they scored a touchdown, and then, but they didn't. So then they line back up. You're the best offensive line in the country, and then you're throwing it at the inch yard line, and it gets picked, and then ran all the way back. But then there was like a targeting on the return or something. So Kentucky didn't end up scoring there, and then I was I couldn't hit Auburn second half. But Auburn ends up getting the cover, winning 29-13. Little teaser for later. We have Auburn Georgia next week. Thanks for the round robin, Colin. You trash mother. All right, Stucky, you told me to call you for this is minor mother effing nation. And guess what? We're getting 
nine and a half or ten points, and our money line was eh, plus two eighty to plus three ten. What is the score at halftime? Miners twenty four, other joke team zero. Minor mother effing nation. You happy, Stucky? Here's your halftime call. We're gonna destroy these mother effers and get to three and one on the season. Three and one, baby. Woo! Minor nation, I appreciate the call. The minor nation and and, and UTSA. UTSA is three and zero. It's craziness out here, but great win, dominant win, awful line. I can't believe I didn't bet it. We need to come to the realization that UTEP's going to make a bowl. Right now, anybody can make a bowl. Like it does, you don't have to win six games, but UTEP's already at three and one. And I think everybody is controlling the line of scrimmage on ULM. So UTEP offensively on the offensive line was able to dominate ULM in this game. Uh, yeah, UTEP had 46 rushing attempts. They averaged 4.74 yards per play. Uh, ULM had an 11% success rate on passing downs. They might be the worst team in the country. But props to UTEP. They're 3-1. and one. They deserve it. Now we've got to take them seriously in our handicapping. Minor effing nation. Colin Stuckey, Harley from Baton Rouge again. Good job on Florida State. Oh, also, uh, hey, Bo Pelini, great job on your debut in Baton Rouge for the second time around. You know, it would be nice to not have all the records set against us by Mississippi State. Are you kidding me, Bo Pelini? Get the fuck out of here. I opt out of the season. I will be the additional opt out for the LSU Tigers. I think LSU already has opted out of the season. Uh, I enjoyed that game so much. I had some Mississippi State and in Leach against Edo. I love Leach. He's my favorite. And, you know, in a new system on a new team with, a, you know, KJ Costello goes 36 of 60 for 623 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, just absolutely shocking offensive numbers. Mississippi State has a 17-point dog. That that number did come down before Keck when Stingley was out for LSU. Puts up 632 yards of offense, 8.3 yards per play. Dominated LSU. I downgraded LSU 21 points from last year. Probably a touchdown short. Listen, the, my whole handicap was the over. I mean, Miles Brennan's not the runner Joe Burrow was, so there's going to be a lot more passing, a lot more clock stopping, uh, and I thought the tempo would be a lot higher, and boy, was it. I mean, that over was just cruised. And, and so if you look at this game a little bit deeper, you know, if you look at the difference between KJ Costello and, and Miles Brennan, I know there's like 300 yards difference, but if you look at their completion rate, they were about the same, 58%, 60%. You know, from a success rate and completion rate percentage, Costello and, and, and Brennan had, you know, kind of the, the exact same day. The big difference is, is five of 15 drives under Mississippi State were explosive. Uh, they had, and I, I don't know if I've ever seen this before, they had 15 passing plays of 20-plus yards. 15 passing plays. That's really hard to do. I mean, that's – I mean, they blew LSU out of the water. Was Stingley not there? I mean, once Stingley wasn't there, uh, that line craved for uh, – you know, dropped from 17 down to like 14 and a half. And the, the tackling in the back seven of LSU, worst I've seen out of that program in a long time. They have a lot to work on. No, there will be no celebrating. So, uh, we we're supposed to win that football game. There's no question about that. You know what Mississippi State is not going to do? They're not going to run the ball. They had 16 rushing attempts for nine total yards. Of those 16 rushing attempts, they got stuffed on eight of them. Over, <laughs> they got stuffed on half of their 16 attempts. Yeah, I mean, but their best player is their running back, Hill, yeah. who did have a 
eight catches for 160 yards. <laughs> he came back to break the rushing title. Like he's he came back to school to like to be Mississippi State's all time leading that rusher. Ain't yeah, crazy. Uh, what's up, Stuck? It's uh, Minor Mother Effie Nation. Just put a hurting on ULM plus 300 money line. That was pretty impressive. Uh, with three and one this year, so. Hope you guys didn't take that under again. But uh, Minor Nation, watch out for us because we're doing big things in 2020. Boom. There was no win total for Utah. Thanks for calling back, but we already did you. Next. Yo, Stucky. Florida State? Florida State? Are you f***ing kidding me? God, dude. The U is back, baby. The U is back. Also, Bonex season in full effect. Florida State, nothing to say. Embarrassed. Awful call. They got trucked. Colin, Stucky, it's your boy Tommy and Louisville, your favorite f***ing Auburn fan. You guys talked all that about Bo Nicks in the offseason. Just dragging him through the mud. The boy was f***ing 19 last year. Had the toughest schedule in the whole f***ing world. Come out, three touchdowns, no picks. Got the dub. Say what you want. Go into the window, Auburn minus six, Alabama first half, fucking book it. Straight the schedule matters everywhere, but apparently not for Bo Nix. Appreciate you guys, all the love, all six of you Alabama and Florida fans calling in, talking Marcus down, Stucky, I almost pulled up on you. I had to work this morning. We need to do something for the Iron Bowl. Auburn about to take that dub too. Let's go. Thank you for the call. We we are pro Bo Nick season. Bo Nick season in full effect. We were against him early in the year. He's a, uh, last year because of that strength of schedule and because of how raw he still was and because of how inaccurate he was. We think that he could take a big jump this year. So I'm with you, War Eagle. Uh, also, it felt really good to ride with the fishes, swim with the fishes, I should say, and hit that Alabama first half. I've never done that before. It was like a new experience for me. Betting yeah, Alabama first half. And then they're up 21 nothing, like a quarter in, and you're like, let's go. And then they didn't even cover for the game, which we called. And we, I went first half, felt, felt really smart doing that. Um, so that was nice. Yeah, I think Alabama first half is going to be the play for a while until bookmakers catch up. But, no, this – let's talk about Bo Nix, all right? Is he Tom Brady or Joe Montana? Let, let's, look at, let's look at a deep dive. Because, I mean, he really is in sync with his wide receivers. Like, he had some pump fakes, some double moves – Auburn was just four of 10 on third down and they averaged 5.6 points per opportunity scoring opportunities past the 40 yard line. That's really good. 5.6 points per attempt. But if you look at it from a success rate angle, Auburn was 43% success rate on passing downs. That's what national average is. They were 8.29 yards per play in passing downs. They tore up Kentucky, uh, you know, from that perspective, but Bo Nix is, is achieving national average numbers. So it's not like he's heading, you know, you know, beyond everybody else. It's not like he's come out and look like Joe Burrow did in the first couple of games last year. So we'll keep an eye on Bo Nix. We like Bo Nix. We're pro Bo Nix on the podcast. But, you know, still from an analytical perspective, it's 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 better than – he's better than average, but he's not Tom Brady. War Dam. Whoa, the Miami offense. Hey, Colin, that's a sustained drive. Oh, wait, that's another sustained drive. Oh, wait, that's another sustained drive. I can't wait to see how you guys are fading them in two weeks against Clemson. Wow, this performance, De'Ara King, Rhett Lashley, the U is back. Plus 11 and a half. (laughs) 
You guys couldn't get that in the first quarter. The U's back, baby. I'm not fading them. This is a complete offense now. I said that they were all based on the explosive play, but that has changed. Miami had two first downs on 81% of their drives. That's, I mean, the national average is 41%. They doubled the national average on how many first downs they have in their drives. Their overall success rate was 59%. They only had 18% explosive drives. They moved the chains like a well-oiled machine on offense. Uh, Miami looks like, you know, bookend to bookend. They look like they've got everything from a moving the chains, first downs, explosive plays, passing downs, everything. They, they've got it going on. And Miami had six sacks on defense. Uh, Florida State had zero 13 tackles for loss, seven quarterback hurries. Uh, they're a menace. I, I'm, not, I'm not fading Miami. I, I don't care if it's Clemson. I don't care who it is. I'm not fading Miami the rest of the year. They pass the eyeball test, and they're passing the advanced analytics test. I'm not fading Miami from here on out. You're right. I don't want to get in front of them. Um, the use back, and look, the biggest offseason move that they made, January 30th, earlier this year, they hired the GOAT, Ed Reed, as chief of staff. It's paying off. Mm-hmm. Say it with me, Mississippi State football is back. We are coming for that number five spot in the West. Um, I love that we're coming for the number five spot in the West. Yeah, it's great to have the SEC back, and I love when all of you guys call whenever there's a big win in the SEC in the first week. They're all back. So who do we hear? Auburn's back. Mississippi State's back. Uh-huh. Uh, the U is back. But let's go, let's go through some of the main games from the weekend Let's start in the ACC. We already talked about Miami's destroying Florida State. Virginia, I had some Duke. I mean, just the turnovers. I mean, it's yeah. insane. They threw five picks at seven turnovers, and they got outscored in the fourth quarter. Uh, the team's just a mess, Duke. Well, we'll have a piece out on action uh, early this week, and it's going to be Havoc rate and Havoc rankings. Duke is now – the most havoc allowed on offense of any team in the country. You can't trust that offense whatsoever. As far as tackles for loss allowed, fumbles, interceptions, they are the least trustworthy offense when it comes to a havoc perspective. Speaking of havoc and speaking of legit defenses, Pitt, hail to Pitt, they got me a cover. That defense is real. If you look at the box, you'll see Pitt outgained Louisville 377 to 223. 223. Louisville averaged 4.4 yards per play. They had one 80-yard run. Cunningham for Louisville went 9 of 21 for 107 yards. He went through three picks, was sacked a bunch. I mean, that defense with their defensive backs, their, their ends and Jones and Weaver, they caused half. I mean, that defense is maybe top five in the country. Agree? Yeah, absolutely. They're showing it from a Havoc perspective. I believe they're number one. We'll have that you know piece out early this week. Uh, but from a defensive success rate – uh, they're, I think the top overall, I mean, they're showing it everywhere. And if they get any offense whatsoever, this team's going to be tough uh, tough to beat. I mean, NC State coming up, you know, Pitt's schedule, uh, they should be able to win these games out until October 17th when they get uh, to Miami. That's going to be a blockbuster of a game. I am all in on the Pitt defense. I'm a huge fan. Um, all right, let's move to the Big 12. Yeah, it was an awful day for the Big 12. Texas needs overtime to beat Texas Tech 63-56. to I mean, so much for this new Chris Ash defense. Oak State does take care of business over West Virginia 27-13. We talked about Iowa State winning. And then Oklahoma loses at home as four touchdown favorites to Kansas State. Kansas State wins 38-35. The same Kansas State team that lost to Arkansas State at home as two touchdown favorites when Arkansas State was missing nine starters. If you believe in math, if you believe in the transitive property, 
that says that right now our guy Jay Adams should be the Heisman front runner. Wow, Jonathan Adams, that is a real deal superstar right there. And Arkansas State should, as of right now, be in the college football playoff. They beat <laughs> Kansas State. Kansas State beat Oklahoma. What's going on with the Big Twelve? Oklahoma has reverted to what a couple of years ago when Baker Mayfield took them to the Rose Bowl, and their biggest problem was their defense. Uh, essentially, it's a bunch of statues that are lined up 20 yards off the ball. Kansas State averaged 13.6 yards per play in passing downs. That's insane. Oklahoma, I don't know if Alex Grinch, if his face is on the back of a milk carton this morning, because that Oklahoma defense is gone. Whatever they had built up and getting their success rate higher and their havoc, it's gone. I don't know who this group is in the back seven, but it was ugly. They couldn't tackle anybody, took the worst angles. Six, seven OU guys getting to some of these K-State guys that were busting plays, and they couldn't make the tackle whatsoever. Uh, and to tell you the truth, do you know who had the best weekend? The best weekend belongs to Oregon. Oregon's going to play, and the Big 12 is going to cannibalize itself out of a college football playoff spot. So 50 to 1, baby. I have some 50 to 1. Yep. I have some 500 to one in Oregon State, too, but we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> all right, Tulane, yeah. last week they didn't wake up. They didn't do anything in the second half. They drill Southern Miss 66-24. They outscore Southern Miss 59-10 to over the final three quarters. What the hell happened yeah. in that game? I didn't see any of it. I don't know why Tulane shut down against Navy in the second half. This was a full-on ass-kicking from beginning to end. So, you know, we'll, we'll continue to, to ride Angry Wave. We have to go take a deep dive in that second half of Navy because it just all got shut down. Don't know if it was weather. Don't know if it was fatigue or if Navy finally just decided to start playing. Uh, but really, Tulane has been a complete team for all but those two quarters against Navy. They've been great this year. Yep. Uh, I do have to also mention in the Sun Belt, uh, Georgia Southern, which – should have won. I still don't know how they lost. I love them as double-digit dogs. ULL was missing a bunch of players. Georgia Southern was missing a bunch of players, too. The ULL kid has been the worst kicker in the nation. They didn't even trust him to make a 30-yarder. He missed a 30-yarder, too, in the game. He makes a 53-yarder to win at the end of the game, and they win 20-18. to 18. I mean, ULL has gets all the special teams touchdowns, has all the injuries to Iowa State. They win that game. They beat Georgia State in overtime. Now they beat Georgia Southern by two. I love this Georgia Southern team and what I saw. Um, this ULL team, and they're going to stay ranked, is a little yep. little fraudulent here. Well, and and we're getting set up for our App State game, right? I think that's coming up here soon, and, and you know what you what and I are going to do. We're immediate, yeah, we're immediately going to swallow whatever points are on App State because we, we've seen this movie before also. Yep. Uh, BC with an odd only three-point win over Texas State was a curious yeah, Brady outcome. BYU, impressive again. Have to give them props. Bet, let's do best call, worst call, bet, regret. I'll start best call. I got to go. I talked about this game a lot, the Army under. You know, he talked about that 2018 game and, and Marcus Freeman and Fickle and what they'll do against the triple option. The game starts out with Army scoring a touchdown on, like, the second play of the game on a pick six. They picked off, like, a pitch. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. The last thing you ever want in a service academy under is for the service academy to score with no time coming off the clock. On defense, that happens, and then Army did nothing. Since he completely shut them down, uh, held them to 4.3 yards per play, and since he ends up winning that game 24-10, to since he wasn't explosive also, as 
we expect they're missing their top wideout as well. So I'll say that is my best call. Worst call, I got to go to the nightcap. I got to go Florida State, dud, and Troy, dud. Uh, and then bet regret. Every gambler knows that feeling. Let's talk bet regret. UTEP, sub minor nation. How about you? There's really two for the best call we talked about. One of them was Mississippi State and LSU going to the over. Uh, that was pretty easy. Uh, but really, since the side, uh, you, make a P, you make a power rating. It comes out to 14 and a half, 15, since against Army. And then the amount of money that Army took was insane. I mean, drove the line all the way down to 11 and a half at BetMGM. I think it was all Army tickets. All Army money, all Army tickets. Drove the number all the way, way down what I had in a power rating. But it didn't deter me. Didn't buy off. Uh, glad Cincinnati could get it done. Um, so I use that as a best call. Worst call, I'm with you. Florida State was uh, terrible, terrible. Uh, I should never get that money back uh, that I had bet on them. And then bet regrets really like a collection. Like I, I say this shit on the podcast, and then I don't bet it, and then I watch the game, and I'm pissed off because I said I, I knew that this shit was going to happen. Houston Baptist overs. They just scored 104 points. If Houston Baptist has a game schedule, bet the over. Don't even look. Just look at your account and the money afterwards. Baylor, I PR'd them like around 25. And the point spread with Kansas was like 17. And I, I said on our friends over, you better, you bet. Some other places. What the hell is this number? Is there COVID-related stuff with Baylor still going on? How is Baylor only 17? I thought that. And I thought there might have been COVID stuff. See if we can do better and take some action on some of these that we're leaving on the table. All right, let's, let's cross off the rest of the SEC and talk about the games that we didn't talk about. Um, just to make sure we cover those teams. It's been the first week that they're playing. Florida against Ole Miss. Trask went bonkers against uh-huh. this bad Ole Miss defense. It lost their whole defensive front. Doesn't have a secondary. 30 of 42, 416 yards, six touchdowns. And my guy, who I've been hyping for a while, now that he's got, the media has him, You can everyone else can take that bandwagon. Kyle Pitts, he had four touchdowns. Uh, eight catches, 170 yards. He's like a hybrid tight end wide receiver that's going to be awesome in the NFL. Uh, Florida gets the cover, 51-35. Ole Miss actually had a shot to cover late uh, and get in the back door, but didn't. Were you impressed with Florida, not impressed with Ole Miss, anything there? I'm not impressed with Ole Miss's defense. Yeah, I'm not coming away with a whole Kyle Trask for for Heisman kind of feeling out of it. I think it's going to be the same thing every week. I think Lane Kiffin offense is – it's multiple looks, double moves – uh, a lot of trick play, two quarterbacks on the field at the same time, uh, a lot of craziness going on from the offensive standpoint, but can't stop anybody on defense. So maybe we just look to play over on Ole Miss every week. Uh, but really, I did not any huge takeaway from Florida. Tennessee, South Carolina. I had South Carolina in this game. It got a bad number. I got, yeah. So I had three and a half. But – I wasn't mad that I played South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina's star cornerback is going to be drafted maybe in the second or third round. He got hurt, and Tennessee picked on him. Uh, He had a pass interference, another long completion given up in the second half. I hated that Muschamp kicked the field goal late. Yeah. You know, so – but Tennessee gets the cover by a half point. Tennessee did some okay things, but the game was close. Uh but South Carolina's corner going out uh, was was big. He's a really important piece to that defense. Anything take away anything from that game? Colin Hill apparently is going to be sharing snaps uh, with some of the other quarterbacks. I don't think he's the problem. Uh, I think Muschamp's you know decision making and the defense is the problem. I don't think it's Colin Hill. So we'll see. It should be an interesting week uh, from Columbia. 
Collins with two L's always have the backs of other Collins with two L's. That's right. Uh, the game that I need to talk about that I didn't see any, any of that I need to get a report on from you. And, you know, I could just look at the box score, but Texas A&M Vandy. Yeah. Texas A&M wins by five, 17 to 12. What the hell happened in that game? Well, Texas A&M never ran more than I think. I think they had four plays in the playbook. And once they had just a one possession lead, they just, they, it was probably the most. Just with on deck. Grind. They went yeah. Vanilla. They went I mean, I guess they're such an vanilla. experienced team. They don't, they don't need like a, a run, right? They don't need to. Yeah. They, yeah, they, there's nothing new about this Texas A&M team. These guys have been together for two years. So I, I, I think, and, and really, honest to God, if you go back and watch the tape, they ran literally four plays on offense. That's it. And then just sat back in defense and did what they had to do. So it was an extremely boring game. I mean, they ended up with a 96% post-win expectancy from that game. Uh, Texas A&M had it in control the entire time. Um, and just a reminder, when our podcast does come out later in the week, our official odds provider – of the Action Network podcast, MGM sponsors a contest. It's a free-to-enter contest. The link is in the description. A top five each week. You could enter it any week. We'll go to the finals at the end of the year, and you have a chance to win a, a trip uh, to Vegas, courtesy of that MGM. Valued at over $5,000, trip for two. You can also win prizes if you finish in the top 10 each week. If you don't have the Action Network app already, get it. You could follow us on there. All of our content is on there. And then make sure you go subscribe, unsubscribe, review, rate. All that stuff helps us tell a friend, tell an enemy. I appreciate all of your support as always. But before we get out of here, let's talk some Monday night football. Oh, it's a beauty. Uh, the two best teams in the NFL, the Chiefs and the Ravens. The Ravens at BetMGM right now are three-and-a-half-point home favorites over the Chiefs, over under 54-and-a-half. I'm a Ravens fan, full disclosure, but I'm, not, I'm an unbiased Ravens fan. I will bet against some and haven't bet them yet this year. I think they win this game. Now, I make the line like 3.3. I have a lot of money line with the Ravens that I, I paired with the Colts. But the Chiefs defense, it's a little banged up right now, and it can be run on. You can just jam it down their throat. We saw the Chargers do it, and the Ravens can do it as well as anybody. I think they're going to have no issues running the ball right now. And the Chiefs' offense, which might not have Sammy Watkins, it's just not clicking right now. Um, Something is a little bit off. Um, I think the Ravens – look, Mahomes is going to get his. He scores over 24 points almost every game he ever plays. He's going to get his, but the Ravens are going to make enough stops – they're going to bring pressure like they do as much as any team in the NFL. They're going to, Wake Bartendale's just going to dial up the pressure. They're going to blitz. Their defensive line now is playing a lot better with the offseason additions. They improved their linebacker position. And their corners are capable of matching up with the Chiefs. So I think that they're, just, they're just going to get a, a sack or two here, maybe a pick, and they're going to get a couple more stops than the Chiefs. And the Ravens are going to be able to just run it down their throats they're going to bring the safeties up, and then they're going to hit some plays over the middle. They're going to hit a couple of deep shots. You know the Ravens are going to be aggressive. Go for it on fourth down. I think this is a statement game. There's a reason why this team has won, what, 14, 15 straight games in the regular season. It's because the entire NFL is built to stop passing attacks, right? No, linebackers don't matter anymore. We play with five and six D-backs. That's all we do anymore. Every other team – is playing one way, and the Ravens zagged 
So when you play the Ravens, you don't really have the personnel. You have to change things to match up with them. It's Obviously, they have Lamar Jackson in a great organization, but the fact that they are played so differently makes them that much more difficult to defend. One other thing to, to note is the Ravens' defense lost Tavon Young, a slot corner, became the highest-paid slot corner last year. He can't stay healthy. It's really sad because he's an elite slot corner. Not only is he a great cover slot corner, they use him as a Swiss Army knife. They'll blitz him. They'll put him all over the field. His loss is actually pretty big, but for the future. It's not as big of a loss this week because, you know, what happens is their best fit is on the outside playing the boundary. When Tavon Young is in, he allows them to do that. When Tavon Young is not, a lot of times Marlon Humphrey has to play the slot. He can do it. It's not the ideal fit. And then you might have to put Jimmy Smith or Averett out on the outside. Um, and it just all your pieces aren't where you would want them in an ideal world. So, but what does that mean against the Chiefs? If you have Marlon Humphrey, one of the best cover corners in the NFL, in the slot, that's fine. Because a lot of times the Chiefs are going to have their best receivers in the slot. The Ravens' defense matches up really well. At three and a half, I can't say to take the Ravens, even though I think they, I think they do cover that number. But I make it 3.3. I would look. There should be points. It's a great live betting game. If you have something you like in baseball or something else you want to part, you know, throw the Ravens' money line in there. I like it. It's also a great special teams battle, two of the best kickers, by the way. Or just look for the Ravens live at even money after the Chiefs score. But this should be a fantastic game. If you want to be entertained, check out my Twitter timeline because I'm going to be going crazy for this game. I'm going to the bar. There's going to be no one there. Me, my girl, my friend is going to be bartending. And the Stars, at a Stars feature, are playing game six at the same time. So I'm going out for a couple hours. A lot of drinks during these games. And we'll uh, share my thoughts freely And uh, before I have to get back to work and not sleep and grind the rest of the week. Any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to be taking the Ravens, but I, you know, you miss out on the number and it's at three and a half. You know, my plan is to play it live to get the Ravens live, uh, which you should be able to get at some point. Like, you know, as you and I are recording right now, you can get the Saints at plus money. So, uh, you know, there's going to be opportunities to do this. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to put a decent sized amount of money on it and put it on the app, but uh, maybe put an under on this game just for shits and grins. But I, I think we have to make a cross sport parlay. I encourage everybody to like tweet your cross sport parlay. Your your uh you know get get your get your Stanley Cup, get your MLB playoffs, get your NFL, get your college football. I mean it's just it's amazing that French we have Open. all of this. Get your French Open going because and your NBA. I guess I guess if you're watching that too. So it's an amazing time of year. So make sure you get your crossword parlay. But for me, yeah, I'm gonna try to get Ravens money line. I might take the last under that shows up on the board right before kick. NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, there you have it. Thanks for joining me, as always, Colin. Thanks for everyone for calling in on the voicemail. You can do that anytime you want to yell about anything, especially college football. 
Go to my Twitter profile at Stucky2. You'll see the number there. Thanks for listening. It's time for us to get to work and start finding winners for next week. We'll be back with our week five college football preview. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. We're finished talking.